Love Dating From the sermon series, Love Me, Love Me Not Spoken by Pastor Peter on Last Sunday, Pastor Sino launched really a wonderful series that we thought of last year called Love Me, Love Me Not. And what the series is really about is talking about the different aspects of love that you and I get to experience that's a part of our lives. And last Sunday, she talked about loving others. And if you were not here, I do want to encourage you to make sure you tune into that and, and listen to that sermon because it was actually a very powerful sermon that we all need to listen to. Today, I want to talk to you about, like, as she said, loving singleness. How many people here in this room are not married? Can, you, can I see your hands? Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. One sister put both her hands up. I love that. Uh, so listen, I mean, this is really a, an important topic. And I want to talk about that. But before I do, I want to, want to help you, some of you single people out right now. I want to share with you the top 10 of all time best Christian pickup lines. You guys ready for this? Take out your phones. Make sure you take the notes. All right. The top 10 greatest pickup lines. All right. Here's number 10. Nice Bible. That's pretty good, right? But it doesn't work today because none of you carry Bibles anymore. You always use your phone to read the Bible, right? So that doesn't work. Back in my days in the 90s and early 2000s, we actually carried Bibles to church. But nowadays, nobody carries Bibles, all right? Number nine, number nine. Did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Because you must be an angel. It's nice, right? Yeah, some of the ladies like that one. All right, number eight. What? You don't have an accountability partner? Me too. Yeah, yes. Somebody said, wow. All right, uh, num number seven. You know the Bible says love your neighbor, so where do you live? This is a good one. All right, number six for you ladies, you could use this one. This is, this is free, all right? Uh, excuse me, I believe one of your ribs belongs to me. That's good. Number five. God told me I'm supposed to marry you. How many of you know people who've actually done that before? You've heard of people, right? I know about five people who've done that. It never works. Don't ever use that. It's kind of cringy. I'm going to be honest with you, all right? All right, God's got to tell both people about that. You don't use that as a pickup line if you've never dated someone, all right? So anyway, number four, number four. Did you know that friends listen to Amazing Grace in the Dark? No? Okay. I, I, I like that. That was one of my favorite ones. All right. Number three, uh, before tonight, I never believed in predestination. Yeah, that was good. All right. Uh, number two, uh, hey, sweetheart, uh, I want to be your promise keeper. All right. All right. Number one, this is the greatest pickup line of all time. Here we go. You ready for this? I hear there's going to be a love offering tonight. <laughs> that was my favorite one. All right, so I know they're cheesy. I know they're tacky. I, uh, please, nobody use those pickup lines. I, I want to strongly encourage you not to. But the single life's not easy. It's hard. It can be challenging. And it can be unique. And uh, especially when you look at the Bible, because when you look at the Bible, there are hardly any passages in Scripture that really talk about the single life. And when you really look at the scriptures, you find that the scriptures kind of emphasize, and there's an overemphasis on marriage. There are far more passages in scripture that talk about the married life than the single life. And so many times we're left and we don't know what to do. 
We don't know how to engage with God and be single today. And it's hard for us, especially if you're single today, for you to engage in that. And on the eve of Valentine's Day, I actually, I'm going to just be very honest, I had no idea tomorrow was Valentine's Day. And I was reminded this morning, Jenny and I were like, oh my God, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. We completely forgot about it. But for some of us, especially if you're single, this could be an incredibly lonely time because you wish, you wish you had somebody you can spend Valentine's Day with. And when you look at the scriptures, when you see what the church has done in terms of addressing the topic of singleness, you find as you're single that you, you need help because we've done a terrible job with this. The church has done a terrible job with addressing the single life. And Metro is no exception. I started a podcast this week. It's called Week Pastor. And we did a couple pre-tapes just in case, you know, if things get a little busy in our lives and stuff like that. And, and one of the, one of the uh, episodes we recorded was on singleness. We invited somebody who was single in this church. And one of the things I wanted to ask her was I said, how did our church, Metro, fail you as a single person? And she went to town on it. And one of the things she shared was this. She said, you know, Metro as a church has failed me as a single person, but you know, the pastors have really failed me as a single person. And I was like, oh, she's going to go there. I was like, okay, talk more about it. What is it? She said, you know, pastors, when you come up on stage, there is this real strong sort of idea or tendency that you guys have that you actually believe and you're convinced that single people's time is less valuable than married people's time. You come up on stage and you always say, if you're single, you should serve in this ministry. You should serve in that ministry. Well, how about married couples? Why can't they serve? Don't you value their time as well? Like, and so, it, I mean, it was really like a mind-blowing time. I was like, whoa, I didn't even understand. I said, hey, did I do that? Did, did I ever do that? And she kept, she was being nice. She said, uh, you know, I don't remember. And I, said, and I said, I'm so sorry. If you're single here today, I want you to know, and if you felt like that, if you felt like, myself and other pastors on this staff have come up, you, have come up here we've, and we have sort of portrayed this, this, this thing that you've felt that maybe your time isn't as valuable as those who are married. I do want to ask for your forgiveness. We will do the best we can as we move forward. Your time is valuable and we are sorry that maybe you have felt that way. The single life isn't easy. It's hard. And many of you are asking for help because you know how to do the secular Christian thing, single life, but you don't know how to do the Christian single life. And you're asking for help and saying, how do I begin to do it? By and large, the church has really done a real bad job of this. And unfortunately, if you are in your latter years in life, if you are in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you're still single, the church creates such a negative stigma that you often feel like there might be something wrong with you. Or they make you feel like that. And that's horrible. That's horrible. We have a lot of learning to do as a church to kind of figure this out. Our society expects us to get married. And unfortunately in the church, if you do not get married, you often felt like something might be wrong with you or there is a negative stigma on your life. Some of you are single and you've never been married. Some of you are single and you have been married before. And some of you are single because you are widowed. You've lost your spouse. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about how can we engage in the single life as a believer of God? How can we fall, if you're single today, how can you fall in love with being single? How can we do that? 
And it happens as we learn what God's greatest desire is for every single one of us, but particularly for the singles community. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look to it. Just turn with me to Romans 8. And before we get started in Romans 8, I just want to pray for us. Can we bow our heads for a moment of prayer? God, I do pray that you would um, help us to look at this passage in Romans 8. Be able to dig deep into it and really understand what your will and what your greatest desire is for our life. Lord, please help us to engage in this topic. But most of all, I pray for our singles community, those that are here present, but those who might be watching today. God, I pray that you would really speak to them. And I pray, God, that you would help them to see how complete their life is right now. And Lord, that you would help each and every one of us, including the married couples in this church, that we would do whatever we can to make sure that we are a community of Christ, community of believers that embrace every person in this church, regardless of whatever stage that they're in in life. Help us to truly be your church. Help us to truly be a community that edifies you as we encourage and love one another. So God, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to kind of jump around. We're going to look at verse 28. Then we're going to jump to verse 32. And then we're going to end it by reading verses 35 to 39, okay? Romans chapter 8. I'm reading from the New International Version. The word of God written through the Apostle Paul. Verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now jump to verse 32. He who denies, talking about God, God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God didn't hold anything back. Jesus Christ is proof of that. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of God. And when you look at this passage in Romans chapter 8, there is one key theme that God wants you and I. He's got a desire. His greatest desire for you, if you're single, is not to get married it's not that God doesn't want you to get married, but that's not his greatest desire for you. According to Romans chapter 8 and the passages that we just read, God's greatest desire for every single one of us, but especially for single people, is simply this. It's to know that his love prevails. To truly know and believe in your heart that God's love prevails in any circumstances. Paul is speaking this to a group of Christians that are suffering deeply for their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is writing this to a group of Christians that understands what it means to struggle and to go through hardships. And Paul is reminding them that God's love prevails. He's reminding them that because he wants them to know that at the beginning of chapter 8, he says, there is no condemnation. And then he says, nothing. Grapple with this for one second, church. He says, nothing can ever separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, I know we read these passages and we really love reading it. We agree with it, but we don't believe it. 
Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. Why? Because of what Christ has done for us. Not because of what you've done, what you haven't done, but because of what Christ has done for you. So many times we feel like our acceptance towards God or uh, that God will accept us if we obey him more, we feel like we're a good Christian. I hear that all the time with Christians. That we say, well, I'm just struggling right now. And there's nothing wrong. I get it when we struggle. And I do feel like there is some level of remorse that should be there to help you to grow in your faith. But what I fear for a lot of Christians, and particularly the singles community, is that we feel like if we don't do certain things in our lives, if we don't create sort of a checklist so that we don't sin, and we feel like Christianity is all about sin management, we feel like if if we're not meeting up to the standard that we've created for ourselves, that God doesn't accept us, that God loves us less. Now, you may say, well, I don't know if I believe that, but think about what you do after you sin. Think about how you feel. So many of you feel so guilty that you're lesser than because you're not living the standard that you might have created for yourself. What I love about Paul, he says, nothing, nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. There is nothing you can do that will ever separate you from the love of God. Amen? Amen. And what that simply means is that your life is complete. There is nothing incomplete about your life. So if you're single today, what you need to ingrain in your mind and in your heart is simply this. Your life is complete. Do not believe for one moment that if you get married, then your life is complete. Don't even entertain this idea to think that your life is incomplete because you're single. Because it's not. When you get married, yes, that adds to your life, but it never completes it. You talk to any married couple, they'll tell you that. Marriage doesn't complete your life. It adds to your life. It can add joy. It can add a lot of hardship. It adds to your life, but it doesn't complete it. So if you're single, you lack nothing. You are complete. Amen? Believe that, not here, but here. What you need to understand that in the beginning, the only passage about singleness in the Bible is found in 1 Corinthians 7. I want to just draw your attention to it. Paul talks about it. The greatest man to ever walk this earth, the greatest person to ever walk this earth after Jesus is Paul the apostle. Secularists, economists will even say that. They said there is no human being that's made a greater impact in this world than the apostle Paul. Paul was single. You need to know that. I don't know if you know that, but Paul was single. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus was single. All right? You're emulating and living more like Jesus when you're single than when you're married. And Paul backs that up. Look at what he says in verse 8 of chapter 7. Now to the unmarried and the widow, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Now jump to verse 32. Why? Why is it good for you to be single? Here's what Paul says in verse 32. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? Verse 34, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs of this world. About the affairs of this world. How she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good. Not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. What you need to realize is that for the first few hundred years of the church, the first few hundred years of the church, you may not even know this, they looked down on you if you got married. 
Married people had to sit in the back of the church while the single people sat in the front. Because they saw that if you're single and you're choosing to live a single life, you're choosing to devote your life completely to God. Singleness was championed in the beginning in the first few hundred years of the church. And then when once the church became a state religion, it became a part of what like the culture was like. Then marriage became championed in the church. And so what you need to realize is that even though we don't see a saturation of verses in the Bible that talk about the single life, what you need to realize is that the single life was championed. Paul encourages it. Why? Because you get to give yourself fully to God. You don't have any distractions that married couples do. Paul says that for married couples, they have to worry about supporting and loving their spouse. And we have to do that, right? That happens. But he says, but if you're not married, you get to focus on the Lord and the Lord only. It's a great season. You can give all of yourself. There's nothing that holds you back from giving all of yourself to the Lord. That's why the single life for Paul was the preferred life. He would prefer you to live a single life as opposed to living a married life. Now, listen, we're going to have a sermon on marriage. So please don't think that I'm downplaying and I'm saying marriage is bad. Marriage isn't bad. But if you're single here today and you think that marriage is going to complete your life, you're in for a rude awakening. Marriage will never complete your life. Only God's love will. And that's why his love prevails. When you're single, you get to invest yourself fully in the things of God. You get to invest in yourself in friendships with other people. You guys can go and travel around the world. When you're single, I want to encourage you, don't just travel to see different places. Travel to see what God is doing around the world. It's so beautiful because if you do that, you know what you're going to come to realize? The Holy Spirit has left the Western Hemisphere. Because when you go to places like in the East, like Asia and Africa and Latin America, you'll see there is a power of God's spirit that's just moving in a way that we don't see here in the West. Travel, you get to travel and you get to see what God is doing around the world and it's such a beautiful thing. You have an opportunity to do that. You get to invest in community here in this church with people in a way that married couples can't. They can't invest the way you can invest in relationships. You know that because for some of you who are single, you've gone through some of the pain sometimes when your friends have gotten married. And once they've gotten married, then what happens? It's hard to even be connected with them at that point because their priorities change, right? And so you realize that that happens. When you get married, your priorities change. And what Paul is saying, when you're single, there's nothing that holds you back. You get to be in community with people and enter into a relationship with them in such a way where you can encounter God. You get to give yourself fully to God through the church. You get, to, you get to travel around the world and experience things that God may want you to experience. And so I'm here to tell you that if you are single, please, please don't ever think that this is a holding pattern, a holding, holding season in your life until you get married. That's not what it's about. Your life is fully complete as a single person because God's love prevails. God's love prevails. If you're in your 30s, If you're in your 40s, if you're in your 50s and you are still single, you must know that you, your life is absolutely complete. It's so so great because, you know, we study these passages in scripture that we're going to preach on on Sunday at our Friday morning prayer meeting. I told everyone I'm going to share this because it was so powerful. And... um, we were, we were at Friday morning, this past Friday at 6 a.m., we were looking at this passage of Scripture. We are looking at the passage in 1 Corinthians 7, and just people just started sharing. I would say 40% of the people that were on there are single. 
Some were married before, some were never married and things like that. And they just shared. They shared about these passages and their own lives and stuff like that. One, one, one person in particular shared and she said that, you know, I was married. She said, when I was married, I couldn't give myself fully to God and the church. But now that I'm not married anymore, I don't have to worry about that. And I get to focus fully on the church. I'm involved in small groups. I'm involved in the life of the church. I'm connecting with people in the community. She's like, my life is fantastic. Another person said, you know, I'm married. I'm happy to be married. But this person said, if my spouse ever passes, I will never get remarried. I've done it, I've been there, but she, but she said, I really, I really miss giving myself fully to the church. I really miss serving in the way that I want to serve. I really miss not, like, like nothing holding me back so that I could do whatever God may want me to do. She said, I've done the marriage, it's fine, but I've, I'm not going to ever do it again. If I get whittled one day. I will just focus on the single life and give myself fully to God. 1 Corinthians 7, basically. And then there was another person, and this was like a mind-blowing thing. And this person said this. She said, hey, married couples, stop trying to encourage us. And Pastor David said, well, then how can we, then how do you want us to, to respond? This person said, embrace us. Embrace us for being single. Don't encourage us. Don't say, don't worry, one day you're going to get married. Don't worry about it. You're too good to be single. That kind of hurts when you say that. Don't say, hey, I can't wait till we can go double dating one day. Why can't I join your dates now? Why do I have to have somebody to go on a date with you guys? Why can't I just be a part of your lives. So married couples, we have to do better at embracing, not encouraging the single people. Their life's complete. In fact, their life's probably more complete than ours. You don't have to encourage them, embrace them. It's the body of Christ, encouraging and helping us, rebuking us when we need to be rebuked. Whether you're single, whether you're married, your life is complete because God's love absolutely prevails in your life. It absolutely prevails in your life. And because of that, God's love is truly enough. You know when you know God's love is truly enough, when you get to that place when you say, you know what, God, I, I don't need to get married to feel complete. I, as long as I have you, you're enough. You're enough. That's when you know God's love is enough. God, I know this job is terrible, but if you want me here, because your love's enough, your love prevails, I'll stay. Some of you are in some hard situations in your marriage right now. You say, you know what, God? It's hard, but your love's enough. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to keep encouraging my spouse to do their best so that we can try to work on our relationship. Acceptance is so important for love because when you don't accept someone, you cannot love them. And that's why this passage in Romans 8 is so important because Paul says, no matter what you do, there is nothing that can ever separate you from the love of God. God accepts you no matter what. Amen. When you don't accept someone, you don't love them. You just tolerate them. 
That's all you're doing. You're just tolerating someone when you don't accept them. That's why as Christians, you got to be careful because you love using that L word a lot. You say, I love you, I love you, I love you. And for people who really understand what love is and they know that it's about acceptance and they know you don't accept them, you're patronizing them. You're devaluing that word love. As a Christian, just be careful by saying, I love you. Unless you really mean it, unless you're willing to fully accept that person, warts and all. Because love without acceptance is tolerance. And so please, I, single community, I want you to know that God doesn't want to minimize your desire for intimacy with another person. It's important. He, but he wants you to know that his love's enough. God's love must satisfy you, not so that he could extinguish your desire for marriage, no, or for dating, but so that it can protect you from making dating and marriage your idol. That's why God wants his love to prevail in your life. Because for some of us, Dating and getting married becomes an idol. When it becomes an idol, then it really is you've fallen into that place where you believe that that's going to complete your life. It will never, ever, ever complete your life. Married couples, can I get an amen? Amen. Marriage won't complete your life. It adds to your life, yes, but it will never complete your life. Only God can. God's love absolutely, unequivocally prevails. And we must know that always as we live our lives for him. I know it's hard. I know on Valentine's Day, you know, you get feelings and loneliness is real, especially during this pandemic. I know it's difficult. But a lot of times I really believe that our loneliness is often a desire where God is wanting us to go deeper with him and his love. And so if you're feeling that today, if you're feeling lonely, can I just invite you to think about how you can get involved deeper in community? Because when two or more are gathered, Jesus is there. And don't live in isolation necessarily, but please live in community. Become a part of a small group. Our registrations are coming up in March. I hope that you can get fully invested in that and connect with some people and start realizing that you need to do life with people for the sake of building your faith in God and having fun in the process. Your life is absolutely complete because God's love prevails. Marriage adds to your life, but it doesn't complete it. Only God's love does, all right? So having established that, I just want to end with just three quick tips on Christian dating. I think it's important because I've been alive for 47 years, going on 48 in a few weeks. I've only met one person that I've had a semi-relationship with where they felt like they were called to live a life of celibacy. That's fantastic. But everyone else I've, mar- I've met, they have a natural desire to want to get married. And so I think it's important to understand a little bit about Christian dating because, man, there's so many bad things written out there in the Christian bookstores about Christian dating. Terrible things. Like, don't date unless you're willing to marry this person. That's terrible advice. I mean, that guy who wrote that book, he's no longer Christian anymore. All right? And so there's been a lot of terrible things that have been written about Christian dating that a lot of us have maybe read or we've heard from other pastors. And a lot of you don't know how to do this Christian dating thing. It's kind of messed you up, right? And so you're trying to figure this out. So let me just give you three sort of tips on Christian dating. The first is this. See dating as a time to get to know God better. All right? When you start dating people, don't, don't, don't think that you're not going to get to know God more. But please know that this is an invitation for you to get to know God better. Because you should rely upon God as you're dating. It shouldn't be something separate where you see dating as more of a secular thing that God is sort of out of the equation. No, 
put God in the mix of it and get to know the person and discern if this person might be the right one or not. Just get to know who they are. Dating is a great opportunity for you to get to know God better because you lean harder on him. Don't fall in your relationship with God because you're dating. Get deeper in your relationship with him saying, God, I need you even more. And if I can just say this, um, my best advice for a lot of you, if you're single today, do not date somebody who's not a Christian, first and foremost, because if you do that and you end up getting married, it's going to create all sorts of problems. All right? The other thing is don't just date a Christian because Christians are messed up too. They jacked up. Some of them use God as an excuse to get you. They flirt to convert, right? So don't just date Christians. Date people who really love God, but also not just love God, but they need to be emotionally healthy. That would be my best advice to you. Now, that may not happen, but if you can find somebody who is emotionally healthy and they love God, you got to keep her, my opinion. You got to keep her. And that's going to take some time. You're not going to know that. That's going to take a while for you to figure out if they're actually emotionally healthy or not. If you don't know what that even means, you know, you need to pick up Pete Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and he'll guide you through that path of what emotionally healthy spirituality really looks like, all right? But I want to encourage you, all right? When you date, see it as an opportunity for you to grow in your relationship with God. The second thing, see dating as a mutual time to know people better. When you date, see it as a mutual time for you to get to know people better. You're not going to get to know exactly what you want in your future spouse unless you actually start dating. All right. Now, you may think this is really controversial. The best book I've ever read on dating is a book written by Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a psychologist, and he's counseled tens of thousands of people. And uh, people have been divorced and different things like that. And he realized that Christian dating is so screwed up because you date to get married. He says there are two levels of dating. He says there is that level where you should think about marriage. And he calls that, you know, like my day because I'm older, we say going steady with someone. Do you guys know what that means, going steady? Right? When you go steady with someone, then it's exclusive. You don't date anyone else. You just date that person. Many of you, when you date, like just even in the beginning, you just think about going steady with someone. What Henry says, this, especially if you haven't dated a lot, he says, don't ever think about that. And in fact, the first stage of dating is this. He says, for 90 days, can you commit to dating as many people as possible at the same time? And figure out what you really want in a person. Because you're not going to know that unless you're in actually some level of relationship. So he says, for 90 days, don't commit to anyone. Just let everyone know, hey, I'm dating around right now. I'm just hanging out with some people. And I'll make my decision in 90 days. I think that's wonderful advice. Because you're not taking this so seriously. And if you could do that, you can date in the church. Some of you are like, I don't want to date you because suppose it doesn't work out. It's going to be awkward if we see each other. No, just say you're hanging out. Don't even use the word dating. Say, we are hanging out. We're just hanging out, getting to know each other a little bit, all right? I think it's wonderful advice, but dating could be an opportunity for you to get to know other people better because you don't really know what you want. You think you might know, but you don't really know what you want unless you start dating. And the problem, what he says in his book, is that many Christian people, they don't date enough and they don't really know what they want, and they end up marrying somebody, and it's not what they've ever wanted. It's never what they wanted. And then it gets so difficult and they end up giving it up and they leave the marriage. And so I want to encourage you. 
to see dating as an opportunity for you to get to know a little bit more of what you may want in someone. And can I just say this? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but this. That's important, but if you put sex in the mixture of dating, then you are no longer really wanting to learn what other people are like. If your dating is more about you having sex, then your dating life is not going to be very good. Sex is a gift. We're going to spend a whole series on it. So I don't want to spend much time talking about it. But think about Genesis 2.24. Uh, the, the, the author of, of Genesis says the two, the man will leave his mother and father and cling to his wife and the two will become one flesh. That is Trinitarian language. The two becoming one flesh, right? Father, son, Holy Spirit, the three are one. Sex is the physical manifestation of the two becoming one. So sex is sacred. It is beautiful that God has given to us as a gift so that the two can become one in marriage. When we do it in dating, we're not becoming one. We're just doing it because it's a recreational activity and we're just trying to satisfy our bodily desires. Now, I know it's not easy. It's not hard, but we'll talk about that later. But sex is a beautiful thing that should only be practiced within marriage. And if you're, if you're Christian, you know that. I want to encourage you to wait if you can. If you've already had sex and you're dating, Wait now, have some accountability, and work towards that because it's just that good when you get married. Now, I'm not saying that once you get married, sex is going to be fantastic. Probably isn't. I've counseled a lot of people that said it's bad. It's going to take time. But the reason why sometimes it's really bad is because we have a real, we see sex the way the world does. You have to have a real transformational understanding of what sex is. I'm really excited about that series coming up in a couple months, but I can't go into it too much. But, like, when you take sex out of the picture of dating, then you can really have a lot of fun. There's a lot of way to spice up your dating life. You can go on adventures together and do more things rather than just thinking about having sex. There's so much more you can encounter, so much more you can learn about other people when you just date for the sake of wanting to learn more about other people. So please... Please, buy the book, How to Keep a Date Worth Keeping by Henry Cloud and read it. But see dating hanging out as something in which you can just learn what other people are like so you know what you really want in your future spouse. The last thing, you need to see dating as a mutual time to know yourself better. You're going to learn a lot about about you as you start dating. Date people so you can learn more about yourself. When you date, monitor your feelings your reactions, your character as you meet different people, all right? One of the great things you can do if you're single, and many single people don't even think about this, it's an invitation for you to become a student of your life, to figure out ways and maybe how you can grow, some trigger points for you. If if you're in a dating relationship, you keep thinking that the other person has to change and you don't have to change, there's something wrong with that. (laughs) See it as an opportunity to say, well, then how can I change? Because before you can get the person you're dating to change, you got to change. You have to grow. And you'll never learn better ways in how you have to grow where, you know, when you're in those dating relationships. You'll often be pushed to your limits many times, and you get to monitor and see what's going on, areas where you may need to work on. And if you can, if you have the confidence, I want to encourage you to tell, ask the person you're dating, hey, what are some things you think I need to work on? Married couples, you should do that every time you have a good time with your wife or husband. I still do that when I go on dates with Jenny. I say, hey, what are two or three things you think I need to work on? We never share truth with each other when we're fighting. Because when you do that, it comes off like nuclear bombs. 
boom, boom. You never do this. You never do that. But when we're on dates and we're happy, then we start saying, hey, give me some feedback. How can I grow? The other person that you're dating will know areas that you need to grow quicker than you because we have so many blind spots. We don't see things. You need other people to help you to grow. All right, so I want to encourage you to see dating as an opportunity for you to know what you may want and areas where you may need to grow. There was this woman that Henry talks about in his book. She grew up in a physically abusive home. Father was physically abusive. I can relate to that. And, and, he, and she wanted to marry somebody that was very calm, wasn't violent, wouldn't get angry, wouldn't show that kind of anger. And so she did. She married a guy who was incredibly passive aggressive. In fact, he was very emotionless many times. And she just thought that that was good because she thought that what she wanted in her future husband was somebody who wouldn't get violent and would not hit her, which is important, of course. But they got divorced eventually because she, it, her husband drove her crazy. Because when you're emotionless, you don't show any feelings. She wanted somebody who was passionate. She wanted somebody who could feel. She just didn't want somebody who would get angry to the point where it would cause violence. And so she didn't really know what she wanted. She just thought she knew what she wanted because of her upbringing. And some of us, we've gone through some deep traumatic stuff in our lives. And we can't bring that into these relationships because then they become our baggage and it often prevents the relationship from thriving and doing well. And so see dating as an opportunity for you to grow and learn more about yourself in areas where you can. There are invitations for you to grow in those areas. And see it as, as an opportunity for you to grow as well. In the end, single people, God's love prevails. Your life is complete because his love prevails. Marriage adds to your life, but it doesn't complete your life. Don't ever forget that. There's nothing that can ever separate you from the love of God. There is no condemnation. Don't believe that with your head, but believe it with your heart. And so no matter how much you've fallen, get up and know that you're God's beloved child. That's why our lives are complete, regardless if you're married or single today. My daughter, Christina, she's 20 years old. And um, I still remember when we were like, when she was like a freshman, um, I was just talking about this with somebody in our church, but I would drive her to places and we would have some of the deepest conversations as we would drive. Mostly the things I would talk to her about is dating and sex. It might be weird for some of you dads, like, what? You talk about sex with your daughter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I make sure I talk to her a lot about sex. So I wanted her to know how beautiful and what a gift it is when you're married so that I wanted to make sure that I helped her to understand and have a robust theology of sex. I didn't want her friends to teach her that. I didn't want her, like, you know, the K-dramas to teach her that or, or the, the movies that she watches. I wanted her to learn it from her dad. And so we would have these deep conversations. So she's now a junior at Rutgers. She went first semester when she was a freshman about two and a half, three years ago. She had one semester on campus life. And then for three semesters, COVID came. And she was home. So you talk about she, was, she went from a place where she, it was busy. She was meeting people. It was good. People were asking her out on dates and stuff like that. And then like three semesters, she was home with us. She couldn't even leave the house. She just got back to school in the fall. And uh, I am so excited for her to start dating. Like, I want her to date. Like, I was with my best friend in California last week. He's like, I can't believe you want your daughter to date. I'm like, why not? 
I want my daughter to be dating. I want her to learn what, uh, what, what, what dating is like. I want her to get to know God through dating. I want her to know what she wants, like what kind of person she wants to marry. She won't know that unless she starts dating. And she certainly won't know areas she needs to really grow, on, grow in if she doesn't start dating. So I hope she will begin to date. But I don't want to pressure her too much. You know, I'm a father, and I th- I'm not going to lie. I think about her getting married one day. I think about, you know, my wife and I, we both got married in our mid-20s, and she's 20. I think about becoming a grandfather one day, all of that stuff. So I think about it. But the thing I think about the most is I worry. I worry about one thing. Listen, she's single. I trust her with all my heart. Now, she might do things, whatever, you know, that sometimes single people do. She knows the grace of God, and I trust that. I don't worry about that. You know what I worry about? I worry so much that she's going to believe that she's lesser than because she's not dating. I don't ever want her to believe that. I don't ever want her to believe like her life is incomplete because she's not dating. I don't ever want her to feel like there's something wrong with her because her friends are getting married and she's not. I don't know what's going to happen for her future. But I really want her to know at the end of the day that her life is full, it is complete. There's nothing incomplete about it. Because God's love prevails in her life. And as a father, that's my wish for her and for all of my kids. Because there is this stigma in our society and in the church where there is sort of this implicit pressure that you should start dating, you should start meeting people, and you should eventually get married soon. And I don't ever want her to think that she's lesser than because she may not be dating and she's single. And I don't know how long she's going to be single for what I do hope and pray for is that she would always know that her life is complete because God's love prevails. Metro Community Church, Jesus didn't come here 2,000 years ago to die for you on the cross and resurrect from the dead so that you can get married. That's not why he came. He didn't come here and die for you so that you can get married. Much to contrary uh, popular thought. He came here to die for you on the cross and resurrect from the dead because he wants you to know that God's love prevails. May you know that his love prevails in your life. And may you live like a child, like a son or daughter to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing could ever separate you from the love of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. So if you are single... I want, if you don't believe your life is complete right now, I want you to believe that it is. And I want you to ask God to help you to believe it with your heart. That you are in the best place in your life right now. Your best place isn't when you get married. Your best place for you to live right now is now. It's in the present. That you have everything you need. So go to God. Thank him for this season. And if you can, be very honest and vulnerable with him. You can be honest with your desires and your wants. But could I ask you to also to pray that you would be able to believe with your heart that his love prevails in your life? Dedicate yourself to him in a deeper way than you have before. I'm going to give you a few moments to do that. Parents, if you have kids that are in dating age now, could you commit them right now? Could you pray for your kids? Pray for them that they would never think they're lesser than as a single person but they would truly live their life knowing that God's love prevails, pray for your child. And if you want, pray that they would meet a really godly, emotionally healthy person one day. Why don't you pray for them?
And then for some of you who are married, if I can just speak to you, um, it's been hard. Marriage has been hard. It hasn't been easy. Some of you need to pray for your marriage right now. Pray that God would bring passion and you would remember the vow you took that you took many, many years ago to God that you would love this person for better or for worse. To life do you part. And so some of you need to really ask God to intervene in your marriage. And so let's just go to God, wherever life stage we are. And then I'm just going to close this in prayer. So let's just go to him. can separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. That is written for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. God, I thank you that that is a truth. It's a promise. And I pray for everyone here and everyone watching online, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to believe that with our hearts so that we can break free the shackles of guilt that often hold us back. I pray against a spirit of shame that sometimes makes us to believe that we are lesser Christian because we always judge how we live our lives, help us to be set free, that there's nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. And so I pray for our singles community, that your love would prevail on their lives, that they would know that their life is complete. They don't need anything else for their life to feel complete because your, because your love is good enough. And I pray for every married couple that they would know that too, that your love is enough, even in the midst of troubles and trials in our marriage. But God, that you would help us to love our spouse the way you do. And you would give us a passion for them the way you do. But God, would you just be with our church and our congregation? And I pray that during this Valentine's Day season for our singles community, God, that they would live their lives holding their head up high, knowing God that they're loved, so loved, by you because he who gave his son so graciously gave his son will also give so graciously to us continuously and so God be with our church help us to love ourselves love the life stage that we're in and I pray God that you would just grant us the peace the joy the hope that there is in knowing that your love prevails it is in your name that we pray amen